You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. A torn ACL is one of the most devastating injuries in basketball. Even in the best cases, it means a lot of time off the court. And in the worst cases, it can mean the end of a career. Natalie Achanwa of Guelph went down with a torn ACL in what would be the last game of her collegiate career, just a couple weeks before the WNBA draft. But Natalie Achanwa said it actually changed her for the better. Now she's in her third season with the Indiana Fever, playing an important role coming off the bench. And she's taken some time in between games to come on the podcast. Natalie, thanks for coming on. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Enjoying this great weather out. Oh, yeah, you're, you're lucky. We just had a torrential downpour a few minutes ago here, so uh, now I'm getting a little bit jealous. Uh, no, 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 no. It is really sunny, sunny and hot outside here in Indy. Okay. Uh, first, before we get into uh, some of the uh, tougher questions, like uh, talking about the ACL, which I know is a, a big one, let's start with some easy ones. When you're living in Indiana, what is something Canadian that you really miss? Well, I'm a big foodie, so a lot of things that I like and miss have to do with food. But fortunately for me, my family comes up quite frequently, and uh, so what they tend to bring me is vector cereal, um, peanut butter, uh, fuzzy peaches, and all-dressed chips. The American peanut butter doesn't do it for you? No, I don't know why, but it just doesn't taste the same to me. It's not like the same texture. It's, it's different. Interesting. I'm already learning new things. Uh, what's the most prevalent <laughs> Canadian stereotype that you've encountered so far playing in the U.S.? Stereotype? Um, well, it's like a sort of <laughs> the funniest thing is anytime anyone knows a Canadian, they think like I should know them. So I don't know if it's like sometimes they don't really register that Canada's an entire country and they're like, oh, you're from Canada. You know, like John Smith, he's from Canada. And I'm like, there's probably like, I don't know, 100,000 John Smiths in Canada. <laughs> but uh, they tend to think that all Canadians know each other. <laughs> Funny how they uh, don't realize it's one of the biggest countries in the world, size-wise at least. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, next one. True or false? Your first in-game shot went over the backboard. Oh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm almost said unfortunately true, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> why I'm here now, I guess. Uh, my dad always, like, every time I tell the story, my dad always jokes that, oh, she has no shame because I just turned around and ran back on defense. So apparently that was going to mean that I was going to be good at basketball. So <laughs> here I am now. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you first start playing basketball? Um, my, uh, soccer coach, so I, my dad's Nigerian, so me and my siblings as well started playing soccer since we could walk, basically, um, and my soccer travel coach in Guelph, uh, Andy Chaput, also coached his daughter's travel, uh, basketball team, and was like, hey, you're kind of tall, maybe you should come out for the basketball team, because I was like five, seven in the sixth grade, and... So then I just went to the basketball tryout, and then the rest is history. How old were you when you started playing? Because you were playing for the national team by the time you were 16. 
Yeah, so in the fifth, like, it was going fifth grade, going into the sixth grade is when I first started playing basketball. Um, and then I dedicated most of my time following that to um, playing basketball. So when I went to the NIDA, uh the basketball academy, I was run through Canada basketball in Hamilton. I had to, like, choose. So that was uh, the 10th grade for me, and I had to decide that I wanted to either go to the basketball academy and commit fully to basketball or continue as a regular high school student and play soccer and play basketball. So it was a short period of when I started, but it was like a quick turnaround of, I don't know, about four years till I got really super serious about it. Wow, because when I was playing 16, I, when I was 16, I was still trying to master the left-handed layup, so I feel uh, a little behind now. Uh, what was it like being on Team Canada at just the age of 16? That had to have been interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, Allison McNeil really took a gamble on me, because, like, I was, I was a young 16-year-old, so um, there was a lot of learning that um, has happened from then to now, and Unfortunately, I had a, like, a large group of vets. Most of the players that I played with were, were veterans of the national team and of Canada basketball programs. So I was really fortunate that I was able to really learn um, from some of the greatest in Canada basketball. And, and I, I was fortunate, too, enough that at the same time, I was still playing with the junior national team. So it wasn't that I was just um, completely learning, but I was able to train with the senior team and learn what I could from them and then still have the opportunity to apply it at my own age group or they were still slightly older than me, I think. But um, it was still great that I got the best of both worlds during that development time in my career. Yeah, that's a lot of basketball. Hokey smokes. <laughs> and then what? Yeah, I, I, one summer I was playing like junior team, senior team, and I think I was like Team Ontario or something like that too and need in there. So it was, it was a... Busy, busy time. I don't think my body would hold up like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, you were the uh, first ever na international player to play for Notre Dame. What was it like being recruited by them? I um, I really enjoyed, actually, the collegiate recruiting process um, because I didn't honestly didn't know too much about the NCAA. Like I said, I kind of got into basketball uh, later um, than some of the players that I play with. Um, so it was really a learning experience for me on just the whole recruiting process on universities being interested in you um, and what goes into making a decision, uh, academics or travel distance for your family. And really, it helped me find myself a lot because I would say that was the best decision that I've made truly by myself because it was virtually one of the first ones that it was really a decision that I had to make by myself. My parents couldn't decide for me. My coaches couldn't decide for me. Uh, and it, like I said, it was one of the best decisions of my life um, to this day. Um, I really enjoyed my time at Notre Dame and and really built a bond with the coaches and the players and the entire university uh, while I was there. So uh, it was a lot to learn about myself in that decision process, um, but ultimately it really worked out. Why was that the university you chose? So it came down to two th two final things that um, kind of put it over the edge for Notre Dame for me. Uh, I, being a Canadian and being uh, the only Canadian player to play there, I was really focused on academics, uh, and I wanted to make sure that I had a degree that would be valued and that would would 
really uh, hold its name if I ever wanted to go back to work or to live in Canada. Um, so even the alumni group of Toronto uh, has followed me throughout my time in the Olympics and throughout my time at Notre Dame and I'm in contact with them too as well. So just knowing that there's that presence of alumni within Canada, within Toronto, uh, was a big thing for me. And also the distance um, from uh, where my family was to the university, it was only like five and a half, six hour drive. Uh, so it was really important to have them there for me um, and that they loved to watch me and support me. So to have them that close, and my parents came to like almost every home game. So uh, it was great to be close enough that they could still come and support me. What I find uh, really impressive about your collegiate career is that every single season you went to the Final Four and three of those times you were able to go to the uh, national championship. Do you have a highlight from your time at Notre Dame that you could you be able to share? Everyone likes to ask my question, and <laughs> I honestly, I it was such a great experience. Like the four years, like you said, with the four Final Fours. Like I, I don't know if I would pick one over the other, um, but the hardest part. And also one of the most defining moments um, of my career and of me as a person was actually uh, one of the hardest times. So when I tore my ACL in my senior year, uh, I, I, like it's such a negative to be like, that's really your favorite moment. But not necessarily when I tore my ACL, but kind of to see my team overcome that, to see them come together um, and still play that final four game, still play that championship game. Um, and they actually came out wearing shirts that said ace on them and had number 11 on them. Um, so that whole Final Four, even though I didn't get to experience it myself, even though I didn't get to play on the court, um, just the love and the support and really to show that, hey, that you're loved, hey, that your time here is appreciated, hey, we miss you, but we're still for you in this moment. Um, really just embodied the Notre Dame spirit, the Notre Dame um, togetherness and family that it is. That actually uh, leads perfectly into my next question where I was going <laughs> to ask you uh, to take me to that play when it happened uh, when you tore your ACL. So when I um, when I fell, I, I, knew, I knew that I, I... I didn't necessarily know that I tore my ACL, but I knew that I was done um, playing um, the rest of that year. Uh, it just felt different. Um, and since I knew that and since I felt that um, kind of in my heart, I all I could think about my team was my team. And all I could think about was being outside of myself in that moment because um, I'm a firm believer in, in everything happens for a reason. So it wasn't in the cards for me at that moment. So all I could think was rally your team. Um, and so I just kind of got up and just gave them a little rally cry on to finish the game, and there's about five minutes left in the game, in the Elite Eight game, so um, just had to get up, and I had to walk out. Um, a big part of um, my leadership uh, was being tough, um, being gritty, and um, to a fault sometimes, but uh, I couldn't in that moment um, – show weakness I knew that it wasn't in the cards for me but that our team meant was meant to be there and was meant to finish out that game so I just had to kind of give them a final push and 
and I had to make sure that I at least walked off the court on my own, um, which I did, and and I'm still proud of myself for that moment. Yeah, so you you refused a, a wheelchair to go back to the locker room. I mean, I guess you you kind of already answered that, but just what why I guess. Yeah, so that was after the um, championship game after we had lost, and and um, I refused it for two things. One, I needed the time. <laughs> if I wheeled to the locker, would I would have got there too fast. Um, so I needed the time to really think uh, as to what I was going to say when I got in that locker room. Um, and the second piece of that was me already kind of developing the thought of I'm going to say to my team that is that you can't hold your heads down, that you have to keep them up high, that you did everything that you could and you left it all on the floor. So I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I, I, I felt that in that moment if I was wheeled and... and and weak per se, and um, with my head down, that how dare I go in the locker room and tell them to keep their head up. So um, that was just what I felt, and then I felt like that was the way God was leading me, so I just had to walk and take my time, catch my breath, and uh, then lead um, what I had done all year, my senior year, so I had to just finish it off that way. Wow. Uh, and now tell me a bit about what the, the road to recovery was like. How did that start? So I stayed at Notre Dame. Um, I had my surgery at Notre Dame and did my rehab there with Ann, our women's basketball trainer. And until about February, when I kind of started to transition to Indiana Fever basketball. So um, I had been drafted. Uh, Fortunately, I always say that um, I'm still trying to pay, repay a debt that the Indiana Fever took a gamble on me um, at drafting the ninth overall with a torn ACL and not sure how I would recover, um, but I was committed to getting back, um, and I was committed to putting the work in. So in February, uh, after my a year off of not playing basketball and a year of being the director of ops for Notre Dame women's basketball, I started to start playing basketball again um, and started training with the, the fever team and our fever training, training staff. And then I'm back here. <laughs> now I read you don't like to call it a comeback. Why is that? Yeah, I've, I like the idea of that uh, because I like the idea of overcoming something. Um, but I don't, I never think that you should want to come back to where you were. Um, my biggest thing is, is you always want to build to something new. So, yes, I would like to be back and come back to playing, playing basketball and um, competing at a high level, but never back to who I was before that. Um, I think injuries or even life lessons or anything that's put in your path as a difficulty um, is to make you better. Um, and to grow from so I never want to go back to who I was but always um, take it up a notch now if we can I'd like to go back a bit to the draft were you nervous uh, about the whole pro situation given the injury or what was that like yeah definitely I don't even know if nervous uh, really embodies how I was feeling uh, because I almost didn't go um after I tore my ACL, I was really going back and forth with Renee Brown, uh, who used to be the, the VP of the WNBA, um, 
really going back and forth on whether I should go to the draft because I, I ultimately didn't want to be sitting in the room and had not been called. Um, I just emotionally and mentally where I was at after Jerry Raphael, I didn't think that I could take that. Um, and so I going back and forth within my family and, and with my coaches and people that, um, I value their opinion. Um, I just decided to, Hey, I was invited, um, because I was one of the best players in my class. And so that I was going to just, just follow it through and whatever happened, happened. Um, so I was sitting in the room with my family and when I heard my name get called, I was, I cried. Um, I was teary eyed and when I went up to the stage and well, when I basically limped up to the stage, um, because I hadn't had knee surgery at that point. So I took my knee brace off and put it under the table uh, where my family was sitting so that it wouldn't be in my pictures with my dress. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it was kind of just a crazy experience. Um, the whole WNBA weekend, you do a lot of learning things. Uh, and my former teammate, Nikki Catchings, was there, and she actually was great for me emotionally um, prior to the draft, just kind of running me through. She was in a similar experience um, with her going to the draft with the 20th yell as well. So just it was a lot of great things that came out of that. So I'm really just happy that, that I was there and that Indiana took a chance on me. And then how did it finally feel to uh, be able to put on a jersey and play? Oh, I mean, amazing. Uh, it was such a long process. I mean, from going from not being able to walk for two months um, to having to build up putting weight back on my knee. I used to ride a scooter around campus at Notre Dame from, to crutches to only allowed to, being walk, to walk in the pool um, and to walking and to jogging in a pool and to running. It was such a process that it was so, like, I wasn't even, it wasn't a wee joke because Anne, our trainer at Notre Dame, like, when I jogged in the pool, like, we videotaped it and I was just smiling ear to ear because I wasn't moving fast. I was, I was barely moving, but it was just the motion of, of the payoff of hard work. Um, and every step of the way, I celebrated the little ones um, because it was such a long process. You always needed to have something positive. Uh, to remind you that, hey, this was meant to be. You're going to get there, um, and this was God's plan. So just uh, it was a tough process, but, man, did it feel good when I got to play basketball again. What was the biggest challenge of that whole process? Um, the biggest challenge, uh, I, the mental and emotional aspect of it was is, is honestly the the toughest because it takes so much out of you so it's one thing to um maybe have an injury and just um casually or occasionally play a sport but for something that you've dedicated so much of your life to and like that you've sacrificed so much for uh it's it's really tough to sit out and sit on the sidelines and watch um Fortunately, I, I did do that dobo position at Notre Dame during my time off, so I kind of I was busy. I was able to do things and be around people um, that I cared about and that cared about me, and kind of just kept me going. Um, and that was a big part of, of my daily staying focused. Um, but the toughest part is how much emotionally it trains you. Like the first day of rehab, my trainer was like, "Okay, do a do a leg lift." And I'm like, okay, a leg lift. Like, if you think about it, it's super easy. Contract your quad and you lift your leg. And my leg didn't lift. My quad did not contract at all. Um, 
and it's just like having to rewire your brain to firing your quad, something that seems so simple. Um, and I cried, <laughs> and there was a lot of tears during that time, and and but at the same time, a lot of triumphs. So um, it was the whole process was one of the hardest things I've been through in my life, but I would never take it back. It has definitely changed me for the better. And you you mentioned your faith a bit in this process. How important was that during the the whole situation? Yeah, it was, it was everything. Um, like I, I've repeated this multiple times, but I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Um, I have case raw, raw tattooed on me. Um, whatever will be, will be. Um, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for His plan, I wouldn't be playing basketball. Um, I, I would have quit when I shot that ball over the hoop the first time I played basketball. I mean, I would have quit when I tore my meniscus in 2012. Uh, I would have quit when I didn't win an MVP and I wasn't the best on my team. I would have quit when I tore my ACL. There's so many, so many things and so many hurdles um, that I've had to overcome that if it wasn't meant to be, if it wasn't in my in in my path and my plan, um, God wouldn't have put me where I am. So I just kind of you got to go with the flow <laughs> and you got to believe that whatever will be will be. Now, after dealing with that challenge, you had another one. You had to adjust to going from playing college ball and then a year off and then playing WNBA basketball. What was the that transition like, just adjusting to a, perhaps a different style of game? I said this plenty of times, too, but that actually that year off, I think, helped me um, a lot because not only did I get to – just watch the WBA and finish finish my college career, graduate um, with my class, um, and really have some time to decompress. The process of going to professional is is, is so rushed with women's basketball that that year really helped me. I mean, uh, one of my teammates, uh, Erica, just came back from graduation. So she met, left in the middle of the week, went to graduation, came back, and we had a game like the next day. So I didn't have to do all that. I really had the time to decompress and really finish off my college career as a student and as an athlete and then take that time to learn how to be an adult, uh, learn how to be a pro. You go from collegiate career where your coaches tell you when to eat, sleep, play basketball, do your individuals. Your training trainer tells you when to get rehab, when to lift weights, um, and all of the above. So then you go into a professional life where you're in your own apartment. Um, you got to pay your own bills. Uh, you have to know when you need to eat. There's no pregame meal together as a team. So you're on the road, your first road trip, and you got to figure out when am I going to eat, where am I going to eat. Um, so I really fortunately had that whole year to kind of just figure out how to be a grown-up and how to take care of yourself a little bit more. So um, it, was, it was really beneficial for me, actually. And how much contact or, or how involved would you have been with the, the fever during that year? Most of my contact uh, was with the training staff, um, more of the physiotherapist, uh, Todd, and um, our doctors, Kalias, and, and that kind of medical staff. Uh, less with the team, I did go to a training camp and I'd go to a couple games and saw everyone and, and just hung out a little bit. Um, but most of my interaction that off year was with the medical staff and getting healthy. 
And then in your first year actually playing, you were able to go to the uh, WNBA Finals. Tell me a bit about what that experience was like. It was great. I mean, it was when you come from a co- collegiate um, program that you were so successful at, uh, it takes a little bit of time to get used to as well. It, losing in general <laughs> um, was a big thing. So not not even just the ultimate goal of getting to the finals, but like you really had to learn <laughs> that there's a lot of ups and downs of being a pro. I mean, I only, I don't know the numbers, but I think in my collegiate career, like last like, 10 to 15 games or something like that. So then you get into a season and you get into a pro career where you're playing more games, you're playing every other day. It's just a lot different. And, um, but fortunately we had a team where I was coming into, uh, we had solid vets. I mean, you know, one of the greatest to ever play the game, Sneaky Catching's on your team and, and a veteran point guard in Brown January. So I was really fortunate to come into someone where I didn't need to do a whole lot. I just needed to come and be a rookie and, and really just learn from them. And I had a, time to start while um, Erlena was sitting out with an injury, um, but I was there. I was there every day of practice to learn from her um, and to really just take that rookie year in. Um, fortunately, we got all the way to the finals, and we were so close. Uh, but um, it was kind of that's kind of been the story of my life uh, <laughs> for since coming out of college is getting so close and not being able to uh, take home the trophy so that's year in and year out always still a goal um even to this my being my third year it's always still a goal i just want that championship well perhaps then i'll I'll shift the conversation a bit and we can talk about a time where you did get the uh the first place finale uh the pan am games where uh the women's basketball team really kind of made their mark on canada it seemed like Tell me what that was like for you, because that, that was a pretty big deal, that whole beating the USA and winning the gold. Yeah, that whole summer was surreal, starting with the Pan Am game. Being in Toronto um, was amazing. My whole family was there to support, um, and actually, like, the gym was packed every time we played, so it wasn't just my family, but really just having the Toronto and Canada community around us really made a difference. Um, and then being able to win on home soil um, was amazing, uh, especially for, it was really like the uphill, the momentum starting um, for that summer and for Canada basketball. Uh, it was really great that we got to show on home soil what we can do. It's hard because uh, Allison McNeil always used to joke and say that the women's national team is the best kept secret in Canada because we do all the work kind of like behind the scenes. Like we always play abroad. We're always playing in, in China or South America or, or wherever and never really on home soil so people can see us or follow us. Um, so it was great to have that experience and to start that summer off and, and just to win a gold medal at home was, was amazing. Where do you keep the uh, the Pan Am gold medal? It's actually, so I'm, I'm still in the process of unpacking a little bit in my new home, so it's currently in my office, but there's a display being made for uh, my Canada jersey and a couple medals that's going to go with it. Nice. Uh, how did that whole Pan Am experience compare with the Olympics? The Olympics obviously being uh, the big event, but Pan Am being on home soil, that must have been pretty uh, a bit of a toss-up, I would imagine, but you're the one who lived it, so... 
Yeah, definitely. It was a top moment, like I said, to have that support to really be at home. And I know for some of the younger players, it's, it's probably a really beneficial for them as well as almost like an Olympic mini prep because virtually it is a mini Olympics. Um, you stay in a village and you have a cafeteria and it's a lot similar setup to the Olympics, of course, a smaller scale, but uh, it's, a, it's a great mini Olympic prep. Um, and of course, to take home the gold um, is always surreal. So Anytime I really get a chance to put on a Canada jersey is, is an honor for me. Um, I love the opportunity to represent my country and, and what it means to be able to play on that team and to, to play on home soil and put a face to some of the names for some of the younger generation um, that are going to be coming up through Canada basketball. Um, it's great to be that inspiration for them and, and give them a face to look up to. Now, I'm not sure how many of the people who were on that USA team that you beat you play against in the WNBA. Is there is there many people who who play in the WNBA now? From that uh, team? Well, Brianna Stewart was on that team. She played for Seattle. Tiffany Mitchell, one of my teammates uh, now, uh, played on that team. Uh, so it's their their class would have been their maybe second year now. So a lot of the players um, or some of the players would be second. Mariah Jefferson was on that team too, I believe. So. <clears throat> So a lot of them are second-year pros now. Does that uh, ever come up between you and uh, Tiffany Mitchell? <laughs> I don't think she actually played in our game because I think she sprained her ankle. So I think we had a little chat about it one time. She said, well, I didn't play. And I just said, well, we still have a gold medal. So I think that's all. I think that's kind of as much as we got into it. Okay, that's, that's where it will stand, I imagine. Uh, so <laughs> now uh, you've got, uh, you're in the middle of, your third season, and you're being a big impact off the bench. How important is that for your team to be able to provide a spark off the bench? Well, that's really been a focus of this year for me, is, is like you said, to provide that spark. It's really, we call ourselves the bench mob. Uh, so it's the next, the next seven that are ready to come in the game um, after our starters is, we really try to focus on that. We have a little chat pregame, and we just say we got to come in and provide the energy. It's really important to have that uh, because it eliminates having a drop-off. So when you sub in, when we sub in, we're ready, um, and, and we're not going to let the work that the starters put in um, go to waste. So that's kind of the mentality that I've been playing with, and it's really paid off. Um, I know our bench has scored, outscored their opponents in every game, I believe, so far this season. So... They're really just kind of sticking to that, and it's been a big focus. Uh, how much of, I know you're only in your third year, but how much of your leadership uh, from playing at Notre Dame has translated to uh, the Fever? Well, I mean, we have amazing captains, amazing leaders, where I, I don't feel like I, I need to lead. Um, but there are little things that I still try to um, incorporate into into the Fever into our team, um, whether it's little things, I still, some of my teammates still joke and call me mom and dad, um, whether it's little things like having my team over um, for, for a meal or to hang out um, or just organizing get-togethers or things like that where I could um, maybe just bring our team together uh, in different little aspects. I really try to continue that um, from what I've learned in my years at Notre Dame and with Canada Basketball, etc. Now uh, we've got your six and six right now, and going forward, if you want to get that elusive championship, what's it going to take this season? It's going to take a lot of grit. It's going to take a lot of fight. 
uh, we're at a point where there's going to be a middle pack um, going into the top eight that make playoffs. There's going to be a middle pack that's going to be really close. We finally got our first road win in Chicago uh, this past weekend, so hopefully we can take that and continue to ride it. I mean, it's been been new with a new coach um, this year and some new pieces, but we're finally still coming together. So as long as we continue to fight, continue to play gritty Indiana fever basketball, um, really looking forward to having a playoff shot. Well, Natalie, we'll be uh, cheering for you from Canada, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you for the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Best of luck. Thanks. Bye. That was Natalie Achanwa, a third year forward from the Indiana Fever, originally from Guelph. Any thoughts on the episode? Get in touch. You can reach me on Twitter at Canada's Court or by email at Canada's Court Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the podcast on Facebook where you can see videos of some of the episodes. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave a rating and a review. It is always appreciated. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening.